Hi, I'm Stacy. I love talking about how to know and live out God's callings in our lives, preferably cozied up with steaming beverages in comfy armchairs. You can head to my website, stacysummero.com, for more on discernment. That's S-T-A-C-E-Y-S-U-M-E-R-E-A-U.com. back with you. I don't know why, but today is just one of those weird days. My kids' naps get shorter and shorter. So if you hear a little bear playing in the background, it's because my sweet little two-year-old is watching it while I attempt to record this. So we're in Advent. Happy Advent. It's such a special time of year, and I hope yours is cozy and joyful and full of lots of baking and good food. I've been enjoying doing a Jesse tree with my children and all of the baking. I'm doing it all. I'm really into peppermint right now, so I'm just putting it in my coffee, into cookies, into whatever I can get my hands on. <laughs> so I wanted to thank you all as well for your prayers for my father, who's in his second round of chemo for lymphoma, which is cancer of the lymphatic system. He seems to be tending in the right direction. So please just keep praying for him. And I truly appreciate it. At the end of the episode today, I am going to sing this new Welsh Christmas carol that I am obsessed with that I just recently found. It is so beautiful. So I hope you enjoy that. Be sure to stick around. That'll be at the very end of the episode, as always, when I do my singing. For my Patreon page, I am super excited to give a shout out to my caffeinated champions, Sarah and Don Nagel, Sherry Rebar, and Lisa Caswell. They are the backbone of making this show happen. I also want to thank my caffeinated cronies, which is another tier that I have in my community. We're doing small group video chats, and right now I have a special going on for the month of December where if you sign up before the 31st, you get swag from my online shop for free. It's a ridiculous value. So I hope that you will head on to patreon.com slash called and caffeinated and consider joining us. Today, I just want to let you know that the episode is sponsored by Delfina Rose Art. Rebecca Gushinska is the artist, and she not only juggles four children, including triplet boys, but also creates breathtaking prints and coloring pages that will delight you and those on your Christmas list. Listeners to today's episode can enjoy 10% off their first order using the code CALLED. Visit DelfinaRoseArt.com, spelled D-E-L-P-H-I-N-A, roseart.com, or click the link in the show notes to see some of the most beautiful pictures of Mary and the saints that I have ever seen. Today's episode is also sponsored by the Serving the Aged Lovingly Today mission program, abbreviated as SALT. Young women ages 18 through 40 work alongside the Carmelite Sisters for the Aged and Infirm, serving the elderly for a week. I built this program from the ground up myself in my work with the sisters, so I have seen lives changed and hearts moved, and I 100% believe in its ability to help you discern God's will in your life. This summer in 2020, we have programs in Columbus, Ohio, and Dublin, Ireland. You can check it out at carmelitesisters.com slash salt dash program, or click on the link in the show notes. All right, let's get to my guest today, Mike Tenney. He and I actually went to college together. That feels like a lifetime ago. I'm not that old, but I don't know, lots has changed. He's a speaker and a high school teacher. This episode was originally gonna be called How to Spend Your Teen Years, but then I realized it's really also for the parents of teens. And then we also touch on so many great topics for anyone who struggles with comparison and self-worth, which I know is a topic that goes far beyond high school. So we discussed the most important challenges to building your interior castle, and I know you are going to love it. So here we go. Mike Tenney, it's a pleasure to have you with me on Called and Caffeinated. Thanks, Stacey. It's a pleasure to be here. Yeah. What are you drinking tonight? 
I am, you know, I, I had some, I had some thoughts because it's it's nighttime, so I didn't want to drink coffee. Yeah. So I just, I just went with tea. I thought about doing a nightcap, but I was like, eh, it's not called an inebriated. It's called- <laughs> We've had that happen before. One of my guests was like, I think Melanie Smith, something mm-hmm. like episode five. I was like, what are you drinking? She's like, wine. <laughs> I was like, that's fine. It's all good. Sometimes I do too. Yeah, mm-hmm. I'm actually having this cinnamon apple tea, which is just the best. Um, oh, nice. I want to. I want to say it's celestial seasonings or something like that, and yeah. brings back really good memories because my roommates and I used to drink it in college, actually, and we called it Jesus tea. Don't know oh, why, just because it was so good. And mm-hmm. I think you can get it for two dollars a box or something. So it's perfect for fall. I'll have to check that out. Yeah, I like. I like the the apple, mm. orange, passion fruit, spice teas. Like those are yes. Good, so. I, think I know this is passion fruit I'm drinking. So Okay. And the weather is finally starting to turn in our area. We had record breaking temperatures this past week. So yeah, <laughs> today was the first day where I was like, okay, I'm making a pumpkin pie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. yeah. Yeah. My wife made some pumpkin scones earlier this week. It was really Dude, good. Can I come over? <laughs> <laughs> they were good. Yeah. Gluten free. Yes. Eat gluten free. So oh, I, I any reason she needs to, she gets to bake baked goods. She'll, she'll do it. Yeah, I know. So Mike, what calls have you received from God in your life so far? And what have those calls looked and felt like? Oh my gosh, so many calls. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Take it and run with it wherever you want to go. <laughs> yeah, well, so um, I feel like my whole life, not my whole life, but since I, I really like first kind of was uh, started drinking the Jesus juice, as, as they say, like when I, when I went from just like kid that my parents dragged to church to where like I went on, a, had an experience of Christ in my youth group on a retreat and was like, whoa, this stuff is real. And like, I want to, I want to go all in on this. Um, ever since then, I've always kind of had a feeling that I was meant to kind of live big and do mm-hmm. something big and do something radical. Um, so, you know, do a mother Teresa type thing, just sell everything. And, um, and, you know, so I thought maybe I'd be a missionary. I thought about being a priest for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so a lot of my college uh, time at Catholic University was um, was spent discerning. I feel like I hit my quarter life crisis a little earlier than most people. <laughs> most people, it's after college. Mine was in college. And so I, was, I had a very serious girlfriend through most of college and we broke up for a while so I could discern. Then we got back together and then I was discerning. We were discerning marriage or should we not be together? And mm-hmm. um, so there was, there was that. And then, um, you know, discerning to become a high school teacher. Mm-hmm. Um, and then at first I was going to be an English teacher and that's what I got my degree in. And then I discerned that I really wanted to do more ministry, be a religion teacher, do campus ministry, that sort of thing. Um, okay. discerning what school to work at and, and all that. And mm-hmm. I've, I've discerned, uh, trying to be a rock star and uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's big yeah. yeah that would be that would be like the secular version of the mother Teresa. uh-huh yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah and then lord this most of my 20s was spent trying to be a rock star and then uh the lord slowly led me through uh called me to uh to do more the like the worship leader catholic speaker um thing which is a big call too because i think jerry seinfeld said it best where more people uh people are more afraid of public speaking than they are of death so they'd rather (laughs) they'd rather be the one in the casket than the one giving the eulogy yeah 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 Yeah. those are all i mean i could i could ask you so many questions about that um Mm -hmm. how did you so in college going from uh priest to 
um, teacher? What was mm-hmm. that? What was that discernment process? Was it because you were um, already, you know, doing got some teaching experience and you realized, oh, I really like this, or something else? Really, the the first time I felt called to teaching was in high school. Over the summer, I was uh, I was a lifeguard and I, I worked as like the um, like the swim team coach for like the. Th- five to eight year olds. Mm. Um, that was my job was summer was to get the kids who weren't scared of the water and could swim a little bit, but couldn't swim a whole length. It was my mm. job to get them to swim a whole length. And um, I really loved that just kind of coming up with, you know, quote unquote lesson plans for them and seeing their progress and helping them develop. And mm-hmm. at the end of that summer, I, w- I think I was 16 or 17. I was thought maybe I'm, maybe I want to be a teacher. And that idea just kind of stuck with me. So I knew going into mm-hmm. college, I wanted to be a teacher. So that actually, that actually okay. predated being uh, called to the priesthood. Um, mm-hmm. And then how did you realize you weren't called to the priesthood? Well, um, just a, a long, about a year and a half of just like, deep prayer, just spending time learning how to pray, going on discernment retreats, talking with the Dominicans, talking with my diocese, talking with uh, mm-hmm. Franciscans. I probably would have become a, a, a conventional Franciscan. That's that's who ran campus ministry at, at, at Catholic U. So I got to know them really well and they ran a couple of high schools. So I thought, oh, I could, I could still be a teacher um, mm. you know, and be a priest. Um, I really like their community atmosphere. I like their, their um, devotion to serving the poor. Um, yeah. So there was, there was a lot about that that I really loved. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, uh, I, you know, and just, you know, God slowly moves your heart in one way or another. And there were days where I was like, yes, I'm meant to be a priest. And then right. other days where I was like, no, I'm definitely not meant to be a priest. And over, it's kind of like plots on a graph, you know, like over time, mm. the plots are scattered all over the place, but over time you start to see that there's a pattern. Yes. And, um, and I remember kind of the tipping point for me was a junior year of college. I was, visiting my grandfather in uh, Pittsburgh and I went to daily mass with him and just in the middle of mass, I just looked over at him and he was this like faithful man, just been just, he's just such a a wonderful man, like so hospitable and just so kind to everyone. Mm -hmm. And just looking at him and thinking about all my cousins and my mom and my aunts and uncles and just the legacy of like his fatherhood you know, and his, him being a good husband and him being a good father. Um, and it was just like in that moment, that moment was the tipping point that like, this is what I'm called to. Um, yeah, that's cool. That's yeah. really cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and I'd always kind of assumed that I'd be get married, but I feel like the Lord led me through that process so that it was a real call that I could accept. It wasn't just the mm-hmm. default. It was like, yes, I hear this call from God and now I am accepting it that this is this is what you want. It's not just like, yeah, I'll get married someday. That's what everybody does, right? You know? Right. So, right. Um, it's it's more of an intentional choice. And my husband and I have discovered that we both discern religious life as well. And maybe you'll resonate with this, that mm-hmm. it kind of gave us a spiritual maturity that sort oh. of allowed us to bring our marriage, like to, to start our discernment of marriage in just a totally different way. Vision, we formed a charism for our family. It was mm-hmm. unlike any of my other dating relationships prior yeah. to him, because he was the first um, guy I dated after I discerned religious life. And it just totally turned the focus around. Yeah. Resonate mm-hmm. with you? Yeah. yeah. Well, and I, I feel like it taught me how to discern life yeah. decisions. And so then when other life decisions came up, I, they, they still were stressful, but I knew that I was going to get an answer. I yeah. knew that it was possible, like God would speak to me and that I could hear it and I could, would be able to discern his voice and listen to it. And I could have confidence in that. Mm. Uh, so even if I didn't know the answer currently, I knew that if I kept an open heart and an open mind and, um, you know, tried to 
live a live a holy life that God would speak to me. You know, it's yeah. not like some, it's not like a mystery we have to decode. It's like you just, mm. God wants to tell you. Yeah, <laughs> God yeah. wants to tell you. You just got to learn how to listen. And after that experience, I knew that I knew how to listen. Yeah, and it was a, a patient process. So totally. I use my children as analogies a lot because they're just delightful. But mm-hmm. I'm thinking about my little two year old, and I totally resonate with what you said because when I before I knew how to really like listen and really discern well. I would sort of act like my two-year-old when he doesn't know what's going to happen next, which is to yeah. just like jump around with no direction and run in whatever direction he wants to. But then as he and I have kind of grown in our trust and our communication and our relationship with each other, and he's understood, you know, when I look him in the eye and I, I get him to calm down for a minute and I say, okay, just be patient for a minute. I'm going to get you your juice. Then he'll just stand there and just sweetly wait and he'll just be happy. And, you know, he knows that this is what's coming because mommy said so. And so it's kind of sort of direct translation into my own spiritual life instead of being anxious and uh, depressed or whatever, being, Mm -hmm. you know, just jumping all over the place or like taking the first thing that comes along because it's something. It's Mm -hmm. more of an ability to wait patiently um, and not have anxiety. And that only comes from a lot of, investing yeah. in my relationship with God. It, it doesn't come immediately. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> there, there, two things that that made me think of is one, is when you give someone a gift, it's like, you don't want them to know what it is before you give it to them. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. That's part of the gift is the surprise. God's like that too. You know, how boring would life be if at the age of thir- 12 or 13 or 14 or even 19, I knew what the rest of my life was going to be. Yeah. You know? It's awesome that God surprises us time and time again with great things for our life. Yeah. Um, and the second thing I was going to say is it gives you such confidence in your decision having discerned. My wife and I, our first couple of years of marriage was just you know, normal marriage stuff, but it was, it was tougher than I think either one of us thought it was going to be. Um, oh, yeah. The fact that <laughs> I agree with we, that. Yeah. The, the fact that we both discerned mm-hmm. gave us, it, instead, of, instead of thinking, oh, maybe I married the wrong person, that was like, oh, yeah, we're called to this, but it's just hard right now. You know, yeah. we, we knew we had discerned. We knew we were both called to this. Yeah. So we had that confidence when things got tough. So Yeah, love it. Actually, you just did a really great sales pitch for my new, uh, one of the t-shirts that I designed for awesome. merchandise online. And you didn't even know it. It says, <laughs> um, <laughs> it says God's adventure awaits and it's oh, got yeah. mountains on it. So I think yeah. by the time this episode is released, that should definitely be in my online store. So thank you so, so cool. much for the sales You're, pitch, Mike. You're welcome. Yeah. <laughs> adventure. Yeah. Hashtag adventure. Hashtag adventure. Yeah. So I have just one more question about your your path because I think there's, um, you know, I I think that when people are trying to navigate all these changes, um, number one, they can start to feel a little flaky. You start to think of yourself as someone who can't commit to anything. At least I did. Mm-hmm. And I used to be really hard on myself for that um, because when I was 25 and 20, I guess I got married when I was 27. Mm-hmm. Um, but when I was 25, I started discerning religious life and met my husband when I was 26. And so it wasn't really that old, but I felt yeah. like it was. Um, and then also there was kind of an interesting uh, thing that happened when I discerned that I was supposed to leave New York. Mm-hmm. So I went to New York because I was going to do the biggest thing that I could imagine, which was be on Broadway. Yeah. And I kind of like you felt had this hungry heart and I was like, I want to do really big things. I want to do something crazy and radical that no one in my family has ever done before. No one. And I that means be famous, before. right? <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, totally. That's what I thought. Yeah, yeah exactly. Like, like a rock star. And you think yeah. like, I am going to do these things. 
And then, uh, you know, I got a couple Broadway tours, so I did find um, success and it was like, nope, I'm miserable. And even though I had gone through this process myself and done the things that I wanted to do, I still had this sense of disappointment and fear leaving the city because that was supposed to be the city that fulfilled me. And because I, yeah. I'd sort of built it up in my mind is this is the big thing. Yeah. New York then, has like a ethos about it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And I've talked with all my friends who have left the city and they're like, yeah, there's this weird guilt. Like you're failing, mm-hmm. you're giving up on yourself. Mm-hmm. Does any of that resonate with you as far as deciding not to be a rock star and leaving that, what you thought was a call to that and, you know, doing the, you know, so-called normal thing. Yeah, to to some extent, I'd say less with my career and more with my romantic relationships. I feel okay. like I felt that where um, every time a relationship would end, I'd feel like I'm never gonna get married. Mm. I'm 25 and I'm not married. You know, <laughs> yeah. all my friends are married. You know, or whatever, yeah. which wasn't true. But um, not all my friends were married. Not all my friends are married now. You know, um, yeah. but I, I just. It, it did feel feel like kind of a failure, you know, like, yeah. was this a waste of time? Was, which I don't think it was, but uh, yeah, I feel like it hit me harder with romantic relationships. Mm, okay. I think, I think I compared myself a lot to my older brother who met his wife when they were first semester freshmen and they got married like July after they graduated from college and, mm-hmm. you know, and I was kind of comparing myself to that track. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, yeah. so. Don't do it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Comparison, man. It'll get you. Oof, it's the reason why it's a, it's a reason why it's a commandment. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I hadn't thought of it that way before, but you're right. Um, speaking of comparison, let's talk about some of the problems that are really plaguing teens today. And I just have such, um, such love and empathy and like, man, it's, I know it's so hard to be a teenager And, you know, we've got depression and anxiety on the rise. We've got uh, social media. Mm. So what do you see as kind of the biggest problems that threaten a teen's sense of security and discernment today? So uh, I think there's a number of things is is one, and, and teens love to laugh at this, but I really think constant presence of cell phones and media Mm -hmm. and you know the thing oh you know no the world is bad that's why we're depressed it's not the cell phones but if you think about it like we don't take time for silence yeah and that is i mean even from a psychological point of view that's not good like your brain needs time to not be occupied it needs time to think things out to think things through and if you're filling up all your brains like emotional processing time with Instagram or Snapchat or even email or school, then that starts to build up and it does lead to emotional problems. Um, Mm -hmm. I think also, and you know, everything that goes along with social media in terms of the comparison that we talked about, you know, they have a lot more pressure than, you know, when I was, when I was in high school, we had the internet, but the most social media we had was like AOL instant messenger, (laughs) you know, like I didn't, (laughs) yes. I didn't have, I didn't have to pick a profile picture. Yeah. I didn't have to, I, I didn't get likes or anything like that. Teens nowadays, they kind of have to pick a public, they don't have to, but they, they pick a public persona. Every time they're deciding what to post, they're deciding, well, how am I going to portray myself and how are people going to view this? Yeah. Um, yeah. And they just have a lot more input from their peers because of that. You know, it used to be, you went home from school and the only time you would have input from your friends after that 
is if they called you on the phone and talked one-on-one. Right. Whereas now, you you can be up, you have constant 24-7 access to your friends' opinions of you. And just so there's their influence over you. They, they have a lot more, um, I, don't, I don't mean, they have a lot more FaceTime. And I don't mean FaceTime like the app, but <laughs> <laughs> they just have a lot yeah. more, you're, you're in contact with your friends a lot more. Um, yeah. And, and any random people on the internet that choose to comment on your mm-hmm. photos as well, which people yeah. say crazy stuff on the internet, they're not kind and considerate like they are in real life. Yeah. And it doesn't really give you the ability to learn how to communicate in a real face-to-face relationship. Or even if they are kind, then you start to build your identity on that. Yeah. You know, even if you are the most beautiful, talented person, and you have yeah. people telling you are the most beautiful, talented person all the time, then you start to base your identity on, I'm only valuable when I'm beautiful and I'm talented. You know, mm-hmm. so... <laughs> It's not yeah. a, even the good stuff is not good for your formation. So yeah, totally, mm-hmm. totally. So what would you suggest then um, for social media use? Would you, if a teen came up to you and was like, "I'm an open book. Just tell me what you think I should do." Would you say, "Don't be on social media in your teenage years. You know, limit it um, in these ways. You know, just use it for think of it as like a, an evangelization tool. Like what you mm-hmm. know, or you know, just whatever based on your own unique temperament." What would you say? You know, I think it, um, it really is a, a matter of prudence. It's not like a, it's not, it's not bad. It's not good. It's just, uh, it's bad if there's too much of it. It's like most things. I mean, water is essential for life, but if there's too much water, you drown. you know what I mean? So, right. um, I set limits for myself. I, something I've just started recently is a no social media Sunday. So right. any Sunday I delete all the social media apps off my phone and then I, I reinstall them at some point in the week when I, I feel like using them. Mm. Um, but I also have like limits on my phone that say, all right, after an hour, you're not allowed to use this unless you put in a password or something like that. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, That's so cool. there's all sorts of things you can do to set restrictions for yourself, rules for yourself. Yeah. Um, and so I think that that's, that's something you got to learn and something you got to teach yourself. And so for, for a teen, I think it's important for them to start learning that. Uh Um, After, you know, 14 years of, of teaching in a high school, I'm, I'm very wary of the approach of just ban it, you know, (laughs) tell them not to use it because they, they are growing into young adults and this is, this can be a really good time where they learn how to use things appropriately, mm-hmm. you know, when they're totally. still under their parents' house. Um, and I wouldn't, I don't want my kids first time with a smartphone to be when they're out of my house because they don't have, then, then, then there's less oversight. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I gotcha. want to be working with them as you know, I'm thinking about my own kids when they get into middle school and high school, I think, I think it's, it's, uh, pretty safe to say, you know, you can set a rule, you know, I'm not going to give my kid a smartphone until they're in high school or until they're 16 or until they're driving or, or, or something like that. There are other types of cell phones you can get um, for them if they need a cell phone or, you know, you can say, well, no, no Instagram. I think parents should definitely like be in control of their kid's phone. It's not really their kid's phone. It's their phone that they're letting their kids use. There are rules and it's a privilege that you are allowed by me as a parent to use in these specific ways. And the, and the, the phone should be the same way. And I've kind of taken it upon myself lately to just think of myself as a digital disciple. And I think there's so much more to mine and explore there. But if we're on for an hour or half Mm -hmm. an hour or even 15 minutes, that's a habit that adds up to a significant chunk of your life. Mm -hmm. Why should that part be separate from God if indeed we are striving to give Him our whole lives? A tool that doesn't use me, it's going to be, I'm going to use it for evangelization and only, you know, only let it be for God's glory. And I Mm -hmm. do not do it perfectly because I totally feel that. 
that yeah. pressure mm-hmm. of like comparison and why don't I have as many likes and follows and blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. But yeah. as I've really surrendered it to God, it has started to change the way that I think about it. And for mm-hmm. myself, I also try not to check it before I go to bed because yeah. um, that's when I'm really prone to stay up late and just, yeah. and mm-hmm. then also first thing in the morning, not a good idea to just get up and check your phone. That energy you have at the beginning of the day is meant to be used for something else it's like that's yeah. when your mind is most fresh use that for prayer use that for meditation just like mm-hmm. you know the app is designed to keep you addicted so don't mm-hmm. give into that just yeah. exercise your free will <laughs> yeah I've, i i think about that and i've said that i said that to my students just recently is yeah. you know it what would you if there's a person that you you talk to first thing every morning and you talk to last thing before you go to bed at night what sort of relationship would that be and they're like oh that's like somebody you're married to that's like your that's like your, mm. your best friend your your boyfriend or girlfriend the love of your life and i was like but that's how most of us are with our cell phones oh um, you know what i mean <laughs> and if i'm honest that's yeah. me that's me most days you know i even yeah. No, I struggle with that too. I do. Like I had to have an honest conversation with my husband. Sometimes I feel like I'm not as important to you as your phone is. I'm like, Mm. oh my gosh, that hurts so much to hear. I've been making real, you know, real changes because I didn't even realize I was doing it. So yeah, yeah, being real with yourself, you got to be honest. I make make (laughs) sure I don't bring it to like the dinner table or anything like that. I like leave it across the room. You got to make sure that you're not putting your energy into it if you don't have good, fulfilling, real-life relationships. Exactly. The social media is never going to love you back. Yeah, that's true. Your kids, your family, your parents are, mm-hmm. even if, like, I like I remember fighting for my siblings a lot in high school, but you know what? Your siblings are going to be there for you for the next, yeah. you know, your whole life. This is the point where all the teens turn off the podcast. It just needs to be said. <laughs> no, but I, I find that they, they know that... The, the the at least the teens that I talk to at some point they know that like they spend too much time on their phone mm-hmm. um, and they look, look yeah and they're looking for help to some extent and they, they just don't know any other way um, yeah and so they I, I you know I try to help them with that one of the things I have my my students do is uh, I don't I don't know if there's an equivalent uh, of this not on the iPhone but most of my students have iPhones and so there's something called screen time I don't know if you're familiar with that but it, it just like tracks how yeah. much time you use every day and it gives you daily or weekly reports and so I told them you know just turn it on and see see what happens like oh my gosh I use it three hours a day oh I use it four hours a- I said five and a half hours a day yesterday mm-hmm. you know and it tells you and it breaks it down by social media entertainment whatever mm-hmm. um, and that was that was a real wake-up call for some of them. Yeah. Um, you don't even realize because it's so entertaining and addictive. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. 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 Good stuff. So let's say someone's trying to quit social media uh, addiction mm-hmm. and trying to fill their life with something more meaningful. So just give us like the big picture. I'm a goal-oriented person. I like thinking in terms of you know priorities and goals and stuff. So what should your big priorities and goals be in your teen years? In your teen years, I, I think um, it shouldn't be <laughs> it shouldn't be building a resume for college. <laughs> mm-hmm. I see so many so many kids just obsessed with that. Um, not Which makes you know, sense because that's how our society is built. Exactly. Yeah, you got to do well in high school so you can go to a good yeah. college, so you can get a good job, so you can be make lots of money, so you can be upper middle class, and uh, mm-hmm. that's going to make you happy. Apparently, so. Apparently. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's not the things. It's not the things. Yeah, I tell my students all the time. It's like I've, you know, we at this school have bigger dreams for you than being upper middle class. There's something better than that. Um, So I think, you know, I would say priority is, um, you know, 
try to figure out, try to, try to start to develop that relationship with God. Um, because one, that's going to be your rock through all the ups and downs of high school, all your friendships, most of which, you know, you might have a few friendships that endure for a long time after high school, but most of these people, you're not going to have meaningful relationships with for a long time. And they mean so much to you now, but who's going to be with you every step of the way is God, even more than your family who, you know, families drift apart. Sometimes family members eventually die and pass away. And like, God is, God is your rock. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, and also he, he guides you to who you're meant to be, you know, like he has a mission for you and a purpose for you. And I feel like uh, touching back on the topic of anxiety and uh, depression, like some of that can come from not having, feeling like I have a purpose in life. Yeah. Um, you know, you can psychoanalyze the, the helicopter parent phenomenon um, mm-hmm. of, you know, parents doing too much for their kids. And so they don't feel like they contribute anything um, or they do anything on their own. So they don't feel like they have that confidence. They don't feel like they have that purpose. It's like, if you can find your purpose in God, that there's hurting people in this world, there's people that don't know that there's anything better than looking good and being upper middle class. Mm-hmm. And they're not going to know unless they see it in you and they see that you have a, you live with a different sort of freedom. Mm-hmm. That's a mission that is exciting for a lot of high schoolers, mm-hmm. you know, because um, they all say they want to not care what anybody thinks about them. But of course we all do. <laughs> so yeah. Oh, yeah. phrasing it like that, it's like, everyone's obsessed with this. They, they need to see something different. They need to see somebody living differently mm-hmm. and they're not going to see it unless it's, it's people like you. So um, helping them find that relationship with God. So one, one, they have their identity founded in Christ and two, that they, they then have a sense of their mission. Then they can learn to discern. Yeah. Um, so developing the interior life is super important. That's something I really try to spend a lot of time on with my students, with my, my seniors. Um, their senior year class is very intellectual. We were reading Marx and Aristotle and awesome. Dostoevsky and like heavy stuff. Um, but at the end of every unit, I, we go to the chapel for a whole day and I give them a reflection and we just pray. Because so I say, the whole point of this is to help you grow in your relationship with God and grow in discipleship. Um, awesome. And it doesn't matter if you can write an essay. I want, it, I want it to sink into your heart. Hey, y'all. I hope you are enjoying my episode with Mike. I just wanted to take a really quick time out to tell you about today's sponsor, Delfina Rose Art. The artist, Rebecca Gushinska, creates original Catholic art in an illustrative watercolor style. I absolutely love her detailed coloring pages. They are definitely going on my children's Christmas lists. My daughter is getting a Marian Collection coloring book, and I'm having trouble for my son deciding between Modern Saints and the Monsters and Martyrs book. Both look really cool. Maybe he'll get both and we'll see. I love that you can download the coloring pages instantly, which is perfect for a last minute Christmas gift if you're like me and you don't have everything put together right away. Delvina Rose Art also features breathtaking prints by Rebecca in vibrant color. Much of it is inspired by the old masters and even some by J.R.R. Tolkien, one of my very favorite authors. Rebecca is American, and she and I actually went to high school together, but now she lives in Poland with her Polish husband and four children, including her triplet boys. Literally, my hero. Every purchase helps support her hardworking Catholic family. You can check out Delphina Rose Art, and I'm thrilled to share with you, my listeners, that you'll score 10% off your first order using the code CALLED at checkout. She's hosting a Christmas coloring contest right now, so be sure to sign up for her newsletter on her website and get the free coloring page to win incredible prizes. 
Today's episode is also sponsored by the Serving the Aged Lovingly Today Mission Program, abbreviated SALT. If you're a single young woman ages 18 through 40, or if you know any, I'm asking you to consider joining SALT for a week of service to the elderly alongside the Carmelite Sisters for the Aged and Infirm. I built this program with them, and I believe 100% in its ability to help you discern your callings. This year, we have two programs, Columbus, Ohio, and the other one is Dublin, Ireland. You can head over to my Instagram account, which is my name, at Stacey Summerow, to see pictures of the beautiful chapel and retreat house in Columbus and the stunning 12th century castle overlooking the Irish Sea where the sisters reside. Yup, the convent is a for reals castle with the nursing home next door. And if you're short on cash, you'll be happy to know that SALT is free of charge. It costs you nothing except travel expenses and you'll gain the immeasurable satisfaction of serving other people while also discerning your vocation or another life choice. So head to carmelitesisters.com slash SALT dash program for more information and to apply or click on the link in the show notes. And now back to the episode. One of our biggest problems is that we don't know how to have silence. And um, so would you say that one of the biggest priorities is to learn how to be silent and to learn how to pray? Yeah. And I, and I, mm-hmm. I talk about um, with them the difference between an awkward silence and an intentional silence because mm-hmm. awkward silence is just like waiting for the next thing to happen. Yeah. But an intentional silence like that requires vulnerability, that requires intimacy. Mm-hmm. And that's where real strength, interior strength comes from. So yeah, so the entire uh, idea of building an interior life, uh, St. Teresa of Avila calls it the interior castle. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, uh, I talk a lot with them about that. Awesome. What yeah. does a castle do? It protects you and it's where the king lives. So if you build this interior <laughs> castle, like the king lives within you and so cool. protects you. So, um, they, and they, they, I feel like they recognize that it's kind of like, Oh, that's a cool idea. How do you get that? You know? So yeah. How do we do this? Uh-huh. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. And from in my own life, um, something that I wish I'd known in my teenage years is just how loved I am. Mm. and wanted and yeah. unique to God. And I, I just didn't have, I thought I was the sum of all of my successes and failures. Mm. I looked to the scale, I looked to the mirror, I looked to who thought I was cool or mm-hmm. popular and who didn't. Yeah. And you're never going to win in like mm-hmm. in life, you know, even if you, let's say you get into the biggest college. Well, what mm-hmm. then, you know, you, after you get, after you get into Harvard, yeah. Then you go to Harvard and then are you the best at Harvard or are you <laughs> still looking to, you know, be top of your class in order yep. to succeed? And by that definition, which I never thought about, but that definition, everyone except the very best, like the number one uh, sexiest person, the number one most talented, the number mm-hmm. one smartest, only the very, very, very top can be good, yeah. <laughs> can be enough. Be lovable. Uh-huh. Exactly. And I hadn't thought of it in those terms, but, but then even the smartest person could look and say, well, I'm not the prettiest person. And the prettiest person could look and say, well, Mm -hmm. I'm not the most athletic. And so even then nobody's good enough. So Mm -hmm. I just wish I hadn't been so hard on myself. And I Mm -hmm. wish that I had instead really asked for God. What do you think of me? I wish I had first asked the question and second, like really given him the space to answer. Um, and I didn't really know how to do that exactly mm-hmm. in, in high school. I didn't realize that God actually was in all of those moments. All of those little embarrassing interactions, like the, the awkwardness. I didn't think he even wanted that part of my life or yeah. looking in the mirror and just thinking, oh gosh, mm-hmm. I look horrible. I have to lose 15 pounds immediately. Yeah. He didn't think that he could hear that or wanted to 
I thought he kind of was the vo- the worst voice in my head and it's mm-hmm. the exact opposite. So yeah, exact opposite. Yeah. When you are able to sort of tap into that, that never ending fountain of, fountain of love, you are filled up to the point where that can overflow to the people around you. Um, exactly. And yeah. that's your mission and that's your purpose, but to be filled first and foremost. Yeah. yeah. I, I, love, I love what you, so much of what you said there. And I'm trying to, I had so many thoughts as you were talking. I was like, yes, this is good. This is good. Oh, um, I know. It was reminding me of, uh, I'm teaching my seniors. We're, we're going back through Genesis uh, one through three and Adam and Eve and, and the fall of man and all that. And as you were saying, you know, only the most talented person can be lovable, like in that area, but even they would compare themselves to the best athlete or the smartest person or the most beautiful person and think that they're not enough. It's like, who would be the most beautiful, the most smartest, the best, the best in every category is God. And so where that comes from is the recognition that you're not God. And isn't that what the temptation of Adam and Eve was all about was that that voice of the accuser in your ear saying, you're not like God, you know, Mm -hmm. don't you want to try to be like God? Don't you want that, that, that fruit that will make you like God's, you know, won't you be happier when you're like that? If you could just be like that, wouldn't you be happier? It's like, it's the same thing all over again. Oh, (laughs) Instead of accepting that we're a loved child of God, we listen to the voice of the liar of the devil of the enemy that says we're not enough when God is saying we are, you know, it's, it's that was so good. (laughs) I never thought about it that way before. (laughs) You're totally right. Yeah. To think that we need to be God instead. Then we have the blessed Virgin Mary, who is the new Eve. And she says, behold, I am the handmaid of the Lord. Mm. And her peace comes from knowing her place which is that she is yes. God's servant and, mm-hmm. and, but not, Oh, I'm so awful. I am the image of God, but I am not him. Yeah, and yeah. so uh-huh. the happiness comes from knowing that, yes, you do have an incredible mission and mm-hmm. can, you can have a fulfilling life and do incredible things for God. And you mean so much to him, but at the same time, you are not him and yeah. you also can do nothing except through uh-huh. his power. So it's this, there's such a, such a desire sometimes for pride uh, yes. that I had. And it's been many, many, many years in the sort of rolling it back and undoing oh, yeah. that. And I know exactly what you mean. Yeah. And you know, what's cool too, is like you truly, when you, when you know yourself, you actually truly don't care what anyone thinks of you. Uh-huh. That's uh-huh. what I, what I find more and more is like, as I get a little older and I just don't I think when I hit 30, suddenly my feet hit the ground and I was like, <laughs> yeah, I don't really care if I walk out of the house wearing no makeup whatever yeah. i'm just living my life i'm just wearing whatever i want to wear and i uh-huh. i actually don't care what other people think i don't th- think of myself as needing to be the most beautiful anymore mm-hmm. and you know what's cool is that you then sort of once you're more comfortable with yourself you truly do attract people who are yeah. more comfortable with themselves and then you know yeah. the cycle goes on you just it expands and expands and mm-hmm. you can also encourage other people to be more themselves when you are exactly. less concerned of like oh my gosh what are you thinking about me right now mm-hmm yeah, well, yeah. and I, that like it was people like that when I when I was a teen in my like the reason I got involved in my youth group is because there were cute girls there that I wanted and I wanted their approval. You know, <laughs> <laughs> like, like yeah, you should come on the retreat. And I was like, yes, cute girls, I will go on this retreat. With you. <laughs> I'll and, spend a whole day with you, absolutely. Yeah, but it was um, it was uh, it was on that retreat that I first met teenagers that had that freedom that mm. were living a life for Christ that weren't afraid to say yeah, I'm struggling with this. Yes, I care about God. Yes, God is helping me through this. And I was like, I never would have 
had like talked about problems with my family or any of that stuff, I would have been way too concerned about what other people thought. Mm-hmm. And the fact that I saw that freedom, the, the freedom that Christ gave them, the fact that I saw it in them, I didn't know what it was, but I wanted it. And yes. that was, that was, that was a bigger witness and bigger evangelization for me than any like sermon they could have preached, you know, or Bible passes they could have pointed me to just by them living authentically for Christ mm. um, attracted me. And I feel like that's, that's the way, you know, it's, uh, yeah, yeah. That's the way see to... you living radically. So, right. And it comes from your heart. It comes from like actually loving your faith and mm-hmm. actually yeah. loving God. It doesn't come from like doing all the holy things mm-hmm. and being, being a youth minister, just the fact that you are a youth minister and that you're organizing church events, the interior castle. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So cool. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So um being Catholic, you know, it's not it's not easy for anybody at any point in history, but now it's actually countercultural. Um yeah. so we're mm-hmm. moving into this new phase where now we're sort of an anti-religious country. Yeah. Um, not even sort of, we are really yeah. anti-religious, mm-hmm. unfortunately. So being accepted is just so important when you're a teen. And yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> what would you say to teens who love their faith or maybe they like their faith in a moment of choice, you know, if they would choose popularity rather than authentic Catholicism, what would you say to those people? Um, I would say that you, you need a community. If you don't have a youth group or a Bible study or a, a, lead, a peer ministry team, something where you're you have friends who are walking the journey with you, you know, who are, uh-huh. who are trying to do, live the same way you are. Um, it's not going to happen. Like Jesus hung out with the sinners and the tax collectors, but like his home base were his apostles, you know, and his yeah. close friends who weren't perfect by any means, but they were trying, they were walking on the road with him. You know, and mm-hmm. so I tell my my students, you don't have to have you don't you don't have to have a litmus test of like only Catholic friends that go to mass all the time. They they have the community, they have the the bubble that protects them, but they don't have the mission. They don't have mm-hmm. the disciples. So I, I'd say that's that's actually not Catholic enough. But there are so many people that go to the other extreme and are like, well, Jesus hung out with tax collectors and sinners, so I can hang out with the potheads all the time. <laughs> Uh, I don't think that's what he meant. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, totally. You you should be a witness to those people, but, and it's okay to have friends that aren't, you know, that aren't Christians or Catholics, but you you need a home base. You need a place where you can come back to and you can say, yeah, these, these are my people. These are the sort of people that I want to be like. Yeah. Um, Good answer. Thank you. Yeah. Dating and breakups. Um, You and I both, (laughs) you and I both didn't find our spouses until we were in our later twenties. And um, I feel like it's maybe uh, just good to point that out because, Mm -hmm. you know, some people think that they, if they don't find their significant other in high school, then the life is over. So um, how do you navigate dating? Do you recommend dating at all in high school? What's your, what's your take on that? Uh, similar to with cell phones, I think, I think I'd, I'd rather not my child's first relationship be when they're like out from under my house. You know what I mean? I think they're, they're important skills in, uh, in healthy friendships and healthy relationships with with the opposite sex that can benefit from, you know, the parental supervision of that, you know, being a high school student allows. So um, I think it's all right if, you know, you set a a rule for yourself or parents set a a rule for their kids that's, um, 
you know, I don't want you dating until you're 15, 16, 17 or, or whatever it is. And it, and it varies by kid. Mm-hmm. But I also think it's misguided to be like, you know, my kids are never dating, you know, in, you know, until they're out of high school or whatever. Cause I think there can be, um, there can be real goodness in, uh, teen relationships. Mm-hmm. And I think also, um, you can do a lot of damage if you communicate um, to you, either to yourself or to your students or to your to your children, if you communicate the idea that like the opposite sex is bad and dirty, you know what I mean, right? Because um, right. then they feel guilty about everything, but yet there's kind of there's forbidden fruit about it. Mm, um, yeah. So yeah. I think teach, and this is one reason I'm glad I didn't go to an all boys school. I have all brothers and mostly male cousins. So I think if I'd also gone to an all boys high school, I wouldn't have known what a girl was. And I think that was, I think being in high school and even dating in high school. And I think my youth group was very good for this was just learning what girls were like and mm-hmm. learning that they don't think like boys. <laughs> um, they, have different, a difference. they have a different interior life and emotional life than boys. And, um, just how to, how to have healthy friendships with them. Mm-hmm. Um, I think for, for immature men, there's kind of this idea that like the attractive girls are potential girlfriends and the unattractive girls, they can be your friends, but you can't be mm-hmm. friends with an attractive girl. You just have to be like trying to get with her. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's a really hard mindset for a lot of men to break out of. Interesting. Um, yeah. I, so I think, I think um, dating in high school can be really healthy if you're smart about it, if you're prudent about it. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah. What about, um, so I actually haven't yet formulated my opinion fully on this because mm-hmm. in my house, um, my parents always, they actually didn't allow me to date, but they mm-hmm. did break the rule senior year where I came to them and I said, I want to date a guy and I'd rather do it in front of your back than behind your back. So mm-hmm. they were, <laughs> they were okay with it. Um, so I did date mm-hmm. some my, yeah, I, I figured it out beforehand, you know? <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and no, and it was good. It was, you know, I was like, I'd rather ask for your advice and mm-hmm. have that. Um, and so they, they did, and they knew the guy was, a, was a good guy, mm-hmm. um, but I found like there, I, I found that like I actually wasn't really mature enough to know how to date without letting it be more of my life than I should have been. Yeah. Um, and I think that's a real danger sometimes. Even yeah. if we're not, you know, we're not realistic with ourselves. Like we don't really, we don't really want to admit that we are addicted to social media or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like we're like, no, it's fine. It's just normal yeah. Yeah, or any other area of our life. And I think sometimes relationships can be, uh, all encompassing. And then once yeah. people know that you're a couple, then you have to spend all, you know, every lunch hour together. Um, mm. And I think my mom actually did a really good job of explaining it to me in high school. She was like, these years um, are for you to uh, develop your gifts later on in life. When you get married, you'll have the rest of your life to be married. And mm. so you won't have endless time to just, you know, do the things that you want to do. And so she encouraged me to, you know, do the high school musicals and um, go out with friends as a group and um, invest, you know, do ballet and take singing lessons and things that I really enjoyed doing. Mm -hmm. So she did present it to me in a way that was positive and didn't, it wasn't like forbidden fruit. Mm -hmm. Um, And I, I I think that was a good approach actually um, in my own life. Um, 
I also wasn't a rebellious teen, so mm-hmm. I can see depending on personality how that could totally backfire. Yeah. But it was it, in my case, it it did go well. Um, the not dating thing, and I still I still was thinking about boys all the time. So there mm-hmm. still was sort of that you know mental obsession, um, and I didn't even realize. I think this is um, actually if you're a teenager, emotional virtue would be a really great book to read by Sarah Swafford mm-hmm. because I didn't. I was like, well, I'm not dating, so it's not like I have an opportunity. To in, you know, honestly, so much of my thoughts were consumed by what does this boy or that boy think about me? There's always an opportunity to sin. <laughs> oh, yeah, totally. Um, and yeah, so I just thought that because I wasn't dating anyone, there wasn't, you know, it was fine. But looking back, I wasn't really keeping the spirit of, you know, of Christ's law and the gospel, which is to not mm-hmm. put a person above God in your estimation. So yeah, yeah Emotional Virtue, I think is a really good book for teens. Uh, I've, I've never read it, but I've heard people speak highly of it. Um, yeah. I, I really like what your mom said um, and that, that the idea, like you don't want it to become isolating. And I think yeah. that's, that's a sign if you are in high school or even if you're not any, any age where it's, if your relationship is keeping you from, you know, if you're quitting cheerleading, if you're quitting the football team, so you can spend more time with yeah. your, your significant other, that's a bad sign. If it's pulling you away from your family, like that's, that's a bad sign. If your friends just sort of get the signal that they should just go hang out with other people at lunch, or if you always have to sit next to each other in class, yes, that could be Mm -hmm. another sign. Yeah. 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 But I know, like, I know people who got, you know, got, um, sorry, started dating in high school and now they're married, happily married with children. So it's not, Mm -hmm. it's also, I'm not saying like, it is always a uh, you know, don't date in high school. It's just being mm-hmm. an alternative view or whatever. Can I, can I share a, a story of dating from high school? Yes, please. So um, <laughs> kind of to my point that I, th- I think parents can be a really, there's a lot of lessons that parents can help uh, teens with throughout this process. And this may be hard for teens to hear, um, but you know, you learned a lot from having your mom as a part of that conversation while yeah. you were dating in high school. Yeah. Um, and one of like the most formative moments in my life was like my junior year going to homecoming. Um, there was this girl that I had dated, but we had broken up. Um, or I'd, I, she had broken up with me. She had dumped me and hum- homecoming was coming up and she decided that she had made a mistake and she wanted me back and had just kind of assumed that I wanted to be back with her. And so apparently had told like, all the girls that this was going to happen. Meanwhile, I had like moved on and like, I asked one of her, one of the other girls that wasn't like a super good friend, but like still part of our friend group um, to go to homecoming. And she was like, what? I thought you were going with, with her. And I was like, her, she broke up. We broke up. She's like, but aren't you guys getting back together? And I was like, what? No, or whatever. Um, So I had to like, Uh, um, so I I go home and I'm, yeah. So I'm like, oh, like, what is, what is going on? And I'm like telling my parents about it. And I'm like, maybe I, maybe I should just go with her, you know? Um, and my dad like gets very, very fatherly and he's like, son, you can't let other people's insecurities dictate your life or like other people's wishes like dictate your life. And I, that's been like such an important lesson for me that like, just cause there's a cute girl that's into you, you that doesn't mean you need to do what she says. <laughs> Just because there's someone who's super attractive and, you know, there's a, there's a part of you that, that sees that beauty and is attracted to them. Like Mm -hmm. you also need to like stand up for yourself. And so I like called her up and was like, Hey, I asked, uh, you know, what's her name to homecoming. And she said she wouldn't go with me because this is what you're telling people. And, uh, Mm -hmm. you know, I've, I, I think you're great in a lot of ways, but 
I'm not going to go to homecoming with you. And I'm sorry if that upsets you, but you know, and it was like one of my first like real adult confrontations that I'd ever had. And I'm like, so thankful for that experience. Cause I I see, um, you know, adult men and that I'm friends with who aren't able to have hard conversations with their, their wives and, um, Mm. or, or vice versa, wives who aren't able to have hard conversations with their husbands. And when one of them's out of line, isn't able to say, in a con- constructive, productive way, you know, mm. this is messed up. This is how I'm feeling. This is, this is what I think is right. And I'm like, just so thankful that that didn't happen when I was in college. I learned that in high school under my parents' supervision and they were able to provide that guidance to me. Um, and there's, I've, I've avoided some toxic relationships because I learned that lesson when I was 17. That so. is really important. Yeah. yeah. There's, uh, I was always a people pleaser as well. And I wanted to say yes to the guys who, you know, maybe would ask me to dances or something. Mm-hmm. And it's so hard saying, thank you so much. I think you're a wonderful person, but no, thank you. Yeah. And I think a lot of, uh, there's a lot of like pressure. Like you're like, Oh no, these people are going to like turn their backs on me. Um, and, and then sometimes it actually does work out that that person does, they are angry. They do turn their back on you and they act really immature and that's really hard to deal with. Um, (laughs) and I, exactly. You didn't want that person as a friend anyway, but I know there's still like a gap there and an ache and a feeling of maybe I should have done what they said, or maybe I should have, um, just listened to them and gone, you know, go with the flow. But then Mm. in the big picture of things, you know, what you gain is so much more than what you lose. And I was actually just talking with the teen about this. She she actually had a guy who liked her and told him she wasn't going to date him. And, you know, and they were close friends and then he kind of drifted off and he's friends with other people now. And she's like, but can't we still be friends? You know? And so learning to sort of, no, you can't. (laughs) Oh yeah. And I was like, you know what, actually like, it's hard to hear, but like, he's actually respecting your wishes because Mm -hmm. there was an attraction there on his side. And he's actually honoring what you said. You have already told him you don't mm-hmm. want that. And I know it's hard and your heart aches and everything. But again, yeah. that's, where the, that's where the interior castle comes in and mm-hmm. the life of contemplation where you have God to return to and he's always, always there. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you know that he loves you so much. And, and so that makes all of this craziness, it's a lot, it's a lot less rough. A lot less rough. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it is. Well, yeah. and, and something that I think has been a common thread through all these stories we've been sharing is uh, the importance of like strong mentors that you can look up to. Oh, yeah. um, mm-hmm. Sounds like for you and for me, we both had, had, had parents that could fulfill that role. But uh, yeah. I know lots of teens that don't have that. Um, mm-hmm. But there are, there are teachers, there are youth ministers, there's older brothers and sisters, you know, so for any teens who might be listening, um, it's just so important to have role models of healthy relationships that you can look up to. Yeah. Um, yeah. Totally. And one of the beauties, honestly, of technology is that we have all of these talks recorded of these Catholic speakers online. So even if you can't, you know, get your butt to a conference, just go Google people, you know, um, Father Mike Schmitz is awesome. Mm -hmm. Like in talks about all those issues. Um, Emily Wilson is very much. Yeah, she's so good with all those teen issues. And there's so many others as well. College, um, you've said before that, you know, don't spend your teen years building your college resume. Don't make that the main focus of your teen Mm -hmm. years, even though a lot of people are going to tell you that it is. Um, I actually don't think that um, 
as many people should go to college as do mm-hmm. go to college because it gets you into massive amounts of debt potentially. Oh, yeah. um, a lot of people just go to college just because, and then they yeah. end up kind of going in to this amazing opportunity with no direction. Yep. And some people can't even choose a, a major by their you know junior year. So, mm-hmm. um, what would you say to people? About- I, I would I would agree with you that don't just do college because it's like the expected thing mm-hmm. to do. Um, you know, kind of like we were saying before, don't just, you know, go along with things because there's what people think of you, people's expectations. Right, um, right. So like I have a nephew right now, he's 17 and he's, um, he's st- decided he wants to be um, a steam fitter. I'm not even exactly sure what that is, but it's like welding. And uh, cool. anyway, apparently there's like an, this whole apprenticeship thing and you go to trade school for a while, then you become an apprentice and you can make good money at it. It's a great career and there's a great union and yeah. That sort of thing. But it's, it's not going to be the college track. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's great if you want to do that. I mean, we need, we need plumbers and electricians and all those sorts of things. And mm-hmm. um, I think there's a know, shortage so. of plumbers in my area. My mom was talking about how she cannot get a plumber has to drive an hour and a half. And she's mm-hmm. like, he makes great money. Why are there not more plumbers? That's honorable, good work. Yeah, I, I think I think you don't need to necessarily. I think it's different for each person, which is why that the importance of developing that interior life where you where you learn how to discern and hear the voice of God is so important. Because mm-hmm. you might be called to go to college, and you might not know exactly what your degree is. I mean, how many of us have jobs and careers other than what our undergraduate degree was in, but maybe, maybe in college, there was an awesome Newman center where I I met great people and that was formational for my faith. Um, you know, so I I would say coming out of high school, put yourself in your, in an environment where you're going to grow into the person God's calling you to be. Mm -hmm. Um, so surround, make sure you have a community again, like when you're, if you are applying to colleges, you should be checking to see if there's a Christian fellowship, if there's a Catholic student center or a Newman center, is it a Catholic college? And if it is a Catholic college, is there any sort of spiritual life there? Or is it just kind of Catholic in name only? Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, and if you're not going to go to college, like, are you just going to sit around your parents' house and you have no friends now? <laughs> like, um, you know, that, that can be aimless and meaningless too. So I would, yeah. I would say, try to, try to put yourself in a place where you're going to have a community that's going to be helping you to grow into the person you are. Cause as I said before, the people you surround yourself with is so important. Yeah. Uh, way more important than what college you go to. Yeah, um, totally. So. Totally. And just as a a person who's now married with small children, I look back at my high school years and I look at how much time I had that I didn't think I had, but I had so much free time. Yeah. And so I would encourage any teens listening to really do invest in uh, developing yourself as a person rather than spending every evening on social media, read books. If you're like, as a musician, like, practice being a musician you need you need hours and hours and hours of practice to be any good at something you know right um you know what whatever whatever it is right whatever your passion is and you can learn anything now online for free you can look up youtube videos i mean i can't even tell you as i'm building my online merchandise shop here i'm just googling so many things if you think you're not that interesting or that you don't have any talents or that you don't have any gifts. That's just not true. You just haven't discovered them yet. So just use your teen years to try things that make your life into an adventure. So I think Mm -hmm. really the antidote to just sitting around being anxious on social media is Mm -hmm. like put down your phone, get out and do stuff. Yeah. Um, Create something. 
Yeah, create something and learn something and just explore because honestly, you have nothing to lose. But just as someone who's in the position I am now, I'm like, dang, what I would do for 40 more hours in a week where I could do more stuff, you know, like, Like oh, I didn't have to sleep. (laughs) Right. If I didn't have to sleep, I would do so much. Um, And so every time my kids go down, I'm like, how much can I get done in this hour and a half nap time? Go, go, go. And when I was a teen, I'd be like, oh, maybe I'll just sit here and do my hair, you know? <laughs> so that's me speaking to my younger self. Mike, it's been such a pleasure. Thank you for all your expertise. Um, I love all of the all of the thoughts you brought forward. And I think my teenage listeners and parents of my teen, teenage listeners are going to uh, really benefit from this episode. So thank you so much. You're welcome. Thanks. Thanks for having me on. It was great to talk with you. You too, Mike. I tell you, Little Bear really came through for me on this one. My little guy is over there, still wrapped up in it so that I can finish this episode. I really hope you enjoyed my conversation with Mike. You can leave an iTunes review if you did, and I would so appreciate that because that truly does help the show get seen by more people. I hope you have an incredible Christmas, and don't forget to celebrate all 12 days. Just celebrate the heck out of them. Thank you for being my listener, and don't forget to stick around for a Welsh carol. I believe it's pronounced Seagan. I think that's the pronunciation. There's some little accents that I don't know how to pronounce in Welsh. Some of the lyrics are adapted by Trilby Bush. So I hope you enjoy this simple, beautiful, sweet little lullaby to the baby Jesus. I'll see you next time on December 31st. God bless you.
Savoir pour la soirée.